Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio.com, Stitcher, or wherever you get the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Co-host Connor Miles here with our Eagles Brawl insider, Ed Cross, joining the show. Ed, the whole the whole hysteria right now in the Philadelphia. I know we got the Eagles got a bye week. They don't play this weekend, but the whole hoopla and commotion going on right now is this team has no identity on offense. Carson Wentz has clearly regressed from the level of play that we've all known to grown and custom expect from him. And now the super winning head coach, we're questioning if we should take away his play calling duties. What a fall from grace right now for this whole entire offense. What we all thought about him. What do you make of this man? What do you make of Carson Wentz's bad play? Uh, well, we've seen, you know, the bad Carson to start the year. Then we saw a good Carson, you know, uh, played well in, in a couple games there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we saw a really bad Carson against the Cowboys on Sunday night. So um, what do I make of Carson? Uh, it's just so hard to figure. I mean, did we overvalue him starting the season? I mean, is this the, the quarterback that he is? I mean, he had a great 2017 season. Then came the injuries. He played okay in 2018 and okay in 2019, but so much more was expected this year. And, you know, Doug's uh, leaning on the fact that there's just been so many uh, players in and out of the lineup with injury, and maybe that's impacted him. And and I will say, I mean, having an offensive line like he has, you know, he doesn't have the big studs that he's used to having. Um I would think that would make any quarterback jittery. But the fact is, is Carson just continues to hold the ball too long. So if he's feeling any effects from, you know, an offensive line, it's not what he's used to. He's not showing it. Um, I just think that he he keeps talking about wanting to get better and to eliminate these mistakes, but we just really haven't seen it over five years. And, you know, he really has some proving to do over these next eight games. That What we saw Sunday night was more the anomaly and that we won't see that again. But your quarterback cannot turn the ball over four times in a game and expect to win. They were lucky they were playing Ben DiNucci uh, on Sunday night. I agree with you because I was thinking this whole entire week, if Andy Dalton was in there, I don't know if the Eagles win that game, the way that yeah. Carson Wentz was playing. That's I mean, that's hindsight, man. It's a, I know. You can't think know. that way anymore. Right. But, and the defense really did step up there. I mean, no question. I mean, the offense only scored 15 points against the Dallas defense. It was given up almost 35. That's 
you know, that's negligent right there. So it was a good thing. It's embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. It's embarrassing for Carson Wentz to play the way he did. It's embarrassing for Doug Peterson to call the Blake, uh, the plays that he called against a historically bad defense. They should have lit them up. This was the game where you go in here, you light up your competition. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter how bad they are. The Eagles got Dallas Goddard back. They got Jalen Rager back. Travis Fogel was stepping up as wide receiver one. Jason Peters was back. They were starting to get a little bit healthier, starting to get reinforcements. This is the game where you get some offensive rhythm going into your bye week, feel confident about yourself, and then you go up against a bad Giants team and try to beat them as well. well I, I mean, they failed to do that. I, 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 it's inexcusable. There's, I mean, four turnovers is inexcusable. The the one turnover I can't go over is his first fumble. I don't know what I I, I know. Understand? He's trying to probably get Dallas Goddard to peel off his uh his coverage to, to go get the, the pass from him. But I mean, there's nobody other than him who's blanketed covered on that side of the field. And you're holding the ball loosely with the guys you're right in front of you. I mean, you're, you're begging to fumble there. I, I love Carson Wentz and I, I the, the Eagles are tied to Carson Wentz no matter what. And I do believe in him. I just think the wrong thing with this organization is the wrong thing with the mentality around Carson Wentz is right now is, which nobody really believes it because they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. You just have to, really buy into the fact that they, they really wanted a talented backup quarterback at the price that they got Jalen Hurts at. This team loves Carson Wentz. They're tied to him. Look at the cap situation. He, he Over the next two years, over the dead cap, they're clearly tied to Carson Wentz. I think this team just thinks Carson Wentz is very talented. They think he's one of the elite, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, which arguably so. I think they think he can just play it out of it. I think they can, he can get better on his own. I understand he's year five, 28 years old. You expect Carson Wentz to elevate. But with everything going on right now, I mean, the John D. Filippino fall from grace to Press Taylor, whereas Carson Wentz has his utmost respect for John D. Filippino. He's a seasoned quarterback coach. He gets the better play out of quarterbacks each at each destination he's at. And then to lose that, to go to Press Taylor, who is close to you in age, not really a proven coach in this league, you're not even, I mean, you're still a fresh season, not really a season of that quarterback. I mean, I the difference in Carson Wentz's play from under John to to really up to this point now with Press Taylor getting more responsibility, you have to think that coach is an issue. But I, uh, I, I mean, at some point, you have, to, you have to put point fingers at the quarterback. And I think that's what we should be doing now, too, is point more fingers at the quarterback. He has to play better than he's playing. Oh, absolutely. Um and, you know, the coaching staff has to help a quarterback when he's going through this. And right now there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of help coming his way. You mentioned Press Taylor. Maybe, uh, you know, he Carson needs some tough love right now. You know, he needs to be told what to do. He can't be telling, the you know, the coaches uh, what he wants to do. Um, you know, I think back to when Nick Foles took over for Wentz back in 2017 in those final handful of games and then through the playoffs. Um, one thing that the team did during that, uh, week that they had off in the playoffs because they were the number one seed was they went back and they looked at the previous Foles tape to see what he did well and see what he didn't do well. They broke down every single game from earlier in his career. And that was a DeFilippo uh, dis, uh, idea to do that. And him and Frank Reich did it. Uh, and then they went to Doug with what the results were. And then they formulated a game plan that fit Nick Foles's comfort level. That's really what they should be doing here during this bye week is is going through every single one of Carson's tapes from 2016 and 2017, probably more 2017, 
uh, and even some games last year, um, especially that final stretch of games where he had 10 touchdowns to one interception, just to see what he was doing. You know, there were some RPOs in there. We did, I don't think we saw any RPOs against the Cowboys. I mean, where did the RPOs go all of a sudden? Um, they never I, happened under Wentz, it looks like, to me. I I mean, I, unless I'm just drawing a blank off the top of my head from last season, I don't remember that many RPOs of Carson Wentz. Yeah. At 2017, you're correct. But I'm talking about last year. I don't really remember since really – I think you're hitting the point on the head, though. The Those good coaches that are good enough to do something like that, to formulate a game plan to get their quarterback to play better who was struggling at that time, I don't know if the Eagles have that. I don't think Marty Morningwig is that. I think Marty Morningwig is this Jalen Hurts influence, which is awful because when you go back to Marty Morningwig being offensive coordinator of the Ravens back when they drafted Lamar Jackson, they had the Joe Flacco thing. They're doing the same thing that they were doing back then. Completely predictable. Yeah. And bland and doesn't work. I would not want him to be the guy that I have to lean on to to make my, my team better because I don't think he can. And that's I mean, look at the difference, night and day difference between the Ravens offense between underneath him. And then when they replace him for Greg Roman, it's it's telling right there. Rich Scangarello, guy was one year as an offensive coordinator in Denver. One year. Mm-hmm. Rick Fangio, first-year staff, one year after the season fires his offensive coordinator, after he has a, a young quarterback who he doesn't trust that offensive coordinator with, wants to replace him with Pat Shermer, who not really a world, world beater in himself either. That should be telling. I I look around the staff. And I'm like, Carson Wentz is struggling. Who can help him out? There's definitely no Frank Wright here. There's definitely no John D. Filippo's here. I think that's the biggest issue. How do you so do you do you go in this offseason and you say, Hey Doug, we know that your ego is a little built up now. I mean, you have the Lombardi and the hardware to show for it, but you got that stuff with these coaches surrounding you that were very talented in themselves. We might not have those guys in place. I know that these are your guys that we have in place right now, but they might not be those guys. How does Doug take it? Because, you know, I mean, with, well, I hate to remind the viewers and you. I mean, he, he goes into one press conference and says, Mike grows my offensive coordinator. And then the, the next day, he's not. Right. I know Jeff Lurie will make these decisions regardless if Doug wants to say or not. But how, I mean, we obviously know how Doug feels. Yeah, I, I know. And that would have to be if they were going to take away play calling from Doug, even if it's just for a half, that would have to be coming down from Jeffrey Lurie. I'm not even sure how he would go there. Uh, I think Jeffrey would have to call the two of them in and say, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and then they'll have to do it. Uh, and I, and you know, you talk about next year possibly doing that. I mean, who's to say that if they come out of this by and look the same uh, with this uneven game planning and the, this lack of creativity, I mean, all these fade, fade patterns to Hakeem Butler on fourth and goal against the Giants uh if they come out of that out of the bye like that then who's to say Jeffrey Lurie doesn't say as they uh head into the Monday night game against Seattle hey you know two games here that we've really struggled to win or maybe they lose these games against the Giants and the Browns it's time to you know we really have to rock the boat here and you're going to have to figure out who you're going to have call some plays for you even if it's just for a half you need to relinquish the play calling and see what Doug does and then see how they spin it because Doug is on record many, many times that that's the best part of his job. That's the that's the one thing he loves to do is call plays. So I, I know Jeffrey knows that, Howie knows that, so they're not going to be so quick to do it. But, again, if they struggle coming out of the bye and they don't look different, 
then maybe they don't wait till next year. Maybe something happens sooner than we think. And you think it should be Deuce Daly? Well, I mean, he is your assistant head coach. Uh, you know, he's been an, a, an assistant coach for 10 years. Um, I mean, why not? I, you know, he's the running back uh, coach. Uh, you know, I think he knows offenses. He's played in many different offenses. Uh, I would go with Deuce Staley, sure. I mean, he's a guy that you want to tout as a, as a head coach candidate, uh, and he gets no love in that regard. And he's fine with that, so he says. But, you know, I think he could be a candidate for a head coach, but he's not going to be one if he's just, you know, this figurehead assistant head coach and doesn't do a whole lot uh, and a running backs coach. So I would think that the Eagles would let Deuce probably call some plays. But they have other candidates, and I know you think someone else should, right? Well, there's only two candidates on this on this team that's ideal candidates. The rest aren't at all. I would not touch Money Morning Wake. I would not touch Rich Scandrello. No. Mm-mm. It's either Jeff Stoutland or it's Deuce Staley. There's no, no way around it. And I think Jeff Stoutland being around the Chip Kelly offenses, being around Doug Pierce's offenses, being at Alabama, being at great programs, I I just want to see what he could do. See if he sets the t- – give him the first half play calling. If, if you're going to give – even if it's going to be Deuce, see what they can do. Set the tone running the ball because either way, if you switch to one of those guys, the Eagles' run percentage goes up a lot. Even yeah, with, I that to me is a fatal flaw, that running attack, and we've talked about this. I just Doug doesn't that. trust Doug doesn't trust Boston Scott and Corey Clement, and he proves it time and time again when he goes into these games. Yeah, I don't understand why they don't want to add to the running back position. Don't understand why they don't want to give Elijah Holyfield a chance like you've been pounding on the table for. Yep. But I don't know how many more games you can go into it and give these guys so many minimal carries Miles Sanders out just to scream out. I don't trust these running backs at all. I'm going to have to let's see if Carson Wentz's arm will win us this game. Yeah, doesn't work Being that way. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. I just don't know what this offense is, though. I, oh, no. you, can, you, compare, you compare this all 22 against Dallas to what they did last week against New York. Uh, what is this? It's a completely different offense. I don't know. And I we talked about it earlier this week with uh, my co-host, Johnny Page. There's too many cooks in the kitchen, and none of the, none of the cooks are good. Yeah, uh, or none of them are speaking up. You know, maybe it's a communication thing. Maybe Doug's not just not listening to what they're, what they're telling him. Um, well, you know, with, Goddard, the, with Goddard returning and Rager in there and Hightower, they, really those guys, they were trying to do more 49ers-type concepts, which is where I guess the Rich Gandarello effect would come into play against the Dallas uh, defense. But Carson Wentz is just not that quarterback. He he needs to throw the ball past the 10-yard hash mark. If he can't do that, he's not going to be effective. I don't. I, I really don't know what they're going to do. I, I mean, I, I hope, would think with how they're handling this by and making the team come into practice and try to – Get work out these kinks and taking it seriously, even if they, even though they won, that's encouraging. But my thing is, I don't, I just, I don't have the faith that they have the right people in place to write this ship. And the, and the sad part is, they're going to win the NFC East this way still. I know. Well, unless Washington somehow figures out how. Actually, to yeah, unless Washington does, or the Giants bench Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy becomes the game manager because we're very underrating their defense. Patrick Graham is is leading that unit very well this year. I, I think this game against the Giants coming up, the Eagles have to really respect this opponent too because their well, defense isn't the same anymore. And they, yeah, they only beat them by one. I know. And it, and it took a comeback to do it. I mean, they needed to yeah. two late touchdowns to win. So, 
You got to look yourself in the mirror and realize you're not that much better than this, the Giants or the Cowboys. Right. And the Giants have played – I mean, they played Tampa Bay tough on Monday night. There's no doubt. You know, they, they gave them a good run, and they gave the Eagles – they only lost, what, two to Tampa and one to Philly. I mean, that's pretty good. You know, they're playing Washington this week. Um, I don't know who you root for if you're an Eagles fan in that game. Do you root for Washington because Washington's already beaten you once? Or do you root for the Giants who could pick up a little momentum – by beating Washington and then going in to play the Eagles. You know, it's a tough uh, – you don't know who to root for there, I guess. That's the issue because Washington could beat the Philadelphia Eagles by their defensive line alone. You yep. saw it happen really basically that game. Dwayne Haskins did nothing to impress. And Kyle Allen won't do anything either. But their matchup of their defensive line having the potential to overpower the Eagles' offensive line and make Carson Wentz's like a living havoc like it's been all season long apparently. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a bad thing, but uh, New York. I mean, I I'm, I'm not. A, I don't think Joe Judge is really making the offense any better. But I will say, Patrick Graham, that defensive coordinator over there, that's a future head coach in this league someday. He's doing good jobs. Uh, James Bradbury is one of the best corners in the league right now. So yeah. I, yeah, I saw him get I, beat. You know, he got beat Monday night, but yeah, he consistently he's had a very good consistent season, no doubt. Bradbury, yeah, he has. He's good for you designing for them so far, but. Yeah, I I think you're right. You just can't go into that game and think we're much better than this team because the Eagles always play down to their competition. But yeah, I just it's it's insane, Ed. Well, they have, to, they have to come out and they have to have a quick start. I mean, you have to Carson Wentz has to put Sunday behind him. Doug Peterson has to put Sunday behind him because he didn't acquit himself well either with his play calling. And they need to have a fast start against the Giants. They need to come out and get some confidence because. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me. I mean, yes, it's a win, and the guys are excited about the win. But listen, I'm telling you, if it wasn't Ben DiNucci, I'm not sure Andy Dalton wins that game either. But, you know, Daniel Jones might have. You know, you hit a couple deep ones. Um, any other quarterback probably would have won that game. Uh, you can't turn it up. I mean, four times is crazy. And, Carson Wentz played at Ben DiNucci's level. That's how yeah. bad he was playing. I mean. It's so puzzling how, how that happened. Um, did you – just, when you're up in that press box, did you ever think in your head without anybody else saying it? Because I know a bunch of other people are saying it, though. But did you ever think to yourself personally, bench him? You got to bench him. Yeah, I think that a lot, you know, when he struggles. Um, but listen, I, I think Nate Sudfeld probably would have been better suited to come into that game, but he's not on the active roster. I'm just not sure Jalen Hurts no, is not. ready to come in. I mean, we saw what Tua Tagliavoa did. You know, in his debut, I mean, he threw for less than 100 yards. You know, they the Dolphins made plays in special teams. They scored on defense. Um, but the Eagles don't have that special team capability to score any touchdowns, let's face it. They won't return a punt. Look, as somebody who's followed Jalen Hurts as much as you have, and I I would say I have as well, I, I, I like him. I like his potential. Yeah. The, way that, the way that some of these things come across misconstrues our message sometimes – on this podcast, we can only talk about it so much for so long, but I like I do like Jalen Hurts' potential. I do think he has a shot at being a starting quarterback in this league someday. My thing is, he played one year of real quarterback play at Alabama. He was basically a running back with the options to throw, which he rarely used. He really became a natural thrower under Lincoln Riley's system, which I think Lincoln Riley's system is incredibly quarterback friendly. Granted, he does have talented quarterbacks come through his system. Jalen Hurts is no different. Right. 
I don't think you could ask somebody in the NFL, in this offense, the way that it is struggling right now, to come in with your lack of experience as a natural thrower and play NFL football in this struggling offense, it's not going to make much difference. I think it would be worse. No. I, I agree with you to the sense that if you're going to bench Carson Wentz, Nate Sutfield is probably the guy you go to. But, uh, I mean, uh, a lot of people compare it to the OA when they bench McNabb for Kevin Cobb. But Kevin Cobb wasn't a rookie then either. So, I, I it's just unfair to Jalen Hurts. And I when I say this, I don't say this, I think Jalen Hurts is bad. I just think you put Jalen Hurts in this situation, you're getting worse because he's not ready. He cannot play the NFL quarterback position yet. He's learning. I, it's unfortunate he, he's being entered in this situation. You can thank your GM, Howie Roseman. But uh, Jalen Hurts getting inserted for Carson Wentz is not going to make much of a difference. But if that's what sends a message to Carson Wentz and lights a fire under him, by all means, do it. But there's no way you could just turn the whole season over to Jalen Hurts at any point, though. Oh, no, no. I mean, it, I, I would think if they bench Carson, it's, you know, maybe for a series or maybe for a so game. That, at that point, I mean, I understand you say Nate Southfield, but there's never going to happen because they want to activate Jalen yeah. Hurts so they could use him on his play designs. So yeah. it's going to have to be Jalen Hurts. And I think seeing Jalen Hurts out there definitely would help Carson get motivated. But I mean, at this point, if you play that bad against that type of defense, which we all keep alluding to, uh, and you're not motivated right now to get better, you better watch out because they did draft a second-round quarterback. As much as we always say he's not ready, they, I mean, you, you cannot struggle like this. You cannot play like this. And I, like, it just goes back to it, though. I'm worried that they don't have the coaches that can get him out of it. And if you have to wait all the way to this offseason to get it, your, your pickings might be slim pickings. I just think they missed out on Jim Caldwell. I honestly do. They should have hired Jim Caldwell and got that done. That. That would have been the perfect coach for Doug. Doug would have had to buy into it at some point and get along with him because Jim Caldwell is not threatening your job at this point. He's no longer an NFL head coach. Nope. Not even an NFL coaching candidate. If anything, he just comes in and helps you. Look, here's my thing, and I know we're going all over the place, but I think Carson Wentz is a very talented quarterback. This game does not change my – one game, a couple games, is not going to change my whole thesis of uh, opinion on Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz is a caliber quarterback of like a Ben Roethlisberger type, a Matthew Stafford type. Now, I go back to their careers, and I think, where did they struggle the most? And at every point, it's when they have bad coaching. You give Matthew Stafford Jim Caldwell, and you get the best, you get, excuse me, you get the best Matthew Stafford you could possibly get. You you take away Todd Haley. I mean, you have Bruce Arians with Ben Roethlisberger. He does well. You insert Todd Haley. He struggles. They can't get along. They bicker. They fight. You move on from him, Ben Roethlisberger improves. You have to get the right you, – you you can have the talented quarterback, but if you don't have the right offensive coaching around him that amplifies what he could do, especially which – I keep going back to it. I don't think this Rich Gandrillo 49ers concept that he wants to bring here with the, the Jimmy Garoppolo dump-offs and trying to get yak from everybody, that's not Carson Wentz. That's not how he plays the game. You keep trying to fit a square into a round circle, it's not going to work. I don't know, man. I just I, I think you're at this point where those guys were at their career where they didn't have the offensive coaching to help them out and they needed to bring better offensive coaching and do so. I think that's where the Eagles are at. Well, they thought they were doing that when they brought in Scandrello and Morningweg, but 
that clearly hasn't worked. And, and you know, it's weird because they didn't have the offseason and all this other stuff. But let me ask you this. When was the last time you saw, like, a quick slant off the line of scrimmage? Like, when when was the last time we saw an easy yeah, – comp- I mean, uh, this, Wentz, this had is- a, Wentz had a wide-open Rager on one, uh, that fourth that fourth of three play. If he, Rager goes around, calls a slant, and Wentz just takes a sack because he gets blown up right away. But, I mean – could have well, hit well, it. Rager was open. I mean, yeah, Rager's just, open. He could have hit it that easily. He could have hit it. It was that was yeah, definitely Wentz. I don't know why he was holding the ball? I re- I really don't know why he holds the ball that long. I mean, he needs to get rid of it. But uh, you know, he needs. He, they need to run these seven step drops. I mean, they insist on dropping him deep into the pocket uh, and running everything long and deep. I mean, it looks like they're trying to hit a home run on just about every pattern that these receivers are running. They're all deep routes. Um, maybe getting Goddard back and Zach Ertz when he's healthy, hopefully here in the next, you know, coming out of the, or, uh, out of the Giants game, maybe he comes back and you start to use the tight ends again, you know, more, you know, those 10 yard button hook plays, you turn around, you find a, you know, an empty spot in the zone, or you get leverage between yourself and the, and the guy covering you and you get open and you flash and you pick up that 10 yards and then you go long, but you got to mix it up. It seems like there's just not enough. Uh, mixing of it up. I mean, they're not, they're going deep all the time. It's pretty telling to me, though, that your big offensive guys, and sorry, my dogs are saying hello to you, Ed, but it's yeah. pretty telling that your big offensive stars, Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, and Doug Peterson, struggle when you bring all these other offensive guys in, though. Yeah. I think that's the problem. You put all these guys in there, and they might not even fit your coach, and you might not even knew that because. I mean, your coach didn't even want Mike Grove fired, to be honest with you. So how do you know that Doug Peterson signed off on these guys when Jeff Lurie is the one to make a decision? Money Moneywake obviously has a friendship with Doug Peterson, obviously has a long tenure with the Philadelphia Eagles organization. So familiarity is probably the reason why you bring him back. And I think drafting Jalen Hurts goes into it. But, I mean, Rich Gangarello, it's not like his resume was enticing you. He was just trying to bring Kyle Shanahan elements to your team. But uh, you have to have the personnel, too. And yeah. I, yeah, I don't think the quarterback wants to play like a Kyle Shanahan type offense. Yeah, but he's getting that personnel healthy, you know, with Rager, Goddard. You have Fulgham now. You have Greg Ward in the slot. Um, hopefully, Miles Sanders comes back. And then you have your compliments, and we'll see how it grows. If they can right. all stay healthy uh, and they can come out of the gate, you know, against the Giants and start to build and continue to build. Um, then they might have something. But it all hinges on Carson. He needs to execute. He needs to uh, make better decisions. Uh, and he needs help from the coaches. That's really the bottom line. Yeah, Carson just has to play better. That's just the bottom line of it all. He has to play better. And I, I just – we're all worried that they don't have the coaches in place to help him out. It's crazy. <laughs> we're at this point. I can't believe it, man. I just can't believe it. But – the Eagles stand pat at the trade deadline. Howie Roseman doesn't make any moves. I think, in all in all, it's the right move. I honestly do. I think if anything, you traded for a linebacker, running back, and I, I with the linebackers, with how TJ Edwards and Alex Singleton played against Dallas, I, uh, I don't really know if I would even consider making a move for linebacker right now. I'd stick with what you have, keep rocking, see what these guys have in them. Running back, I mean, obviously they need help in that department. And when they get Miles Sanders back. I think they had a huge plan for Miles Sanders this year. I think it's a huge damper, and we can't we can't uh, take away of he was their best vertical threat last year. I can only imagine what concepts they had in store for him this year to utilize that, that playmaking ability. Because so I was just gonna say, I mean, where's the wheel routes? Like, where's where's the mesh concepts? Where's all the stuff that like you were thriving on last year? It's not there anymore. But I, 
I think Miles Sanders being out definitely plays a part into it too. But uh, again, they stand tra- pad the trade the line. They don't do anything. I think it was the right move. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think they probably should have gotten a running back. I know everybody said linebacker. There was no way they were going to trade for Miles Jack or or a linebacker. They drafted two. They don't even value linebackers. Why all of a sudden are you going to trade for one? I, I mean, they their their linebackers are what they are. Um, and TJ was that was that a rumor that the Eagles were going to trade for Miles Jack? I've you know I've seen I saw that pop up on my t- on my Twitter timeline, but it, that's BS. I, I haven't heard that. Uh, there was no way they were getting a linebacker. I I thought there was no way they were going to go get an offensive tackle. I mean, you, you have Dillard uh, that's coming back. You have Milata. You have Driscoll. I mean, you have guys. They're just yeah. Hurt. They don't need offensive tackle either. No, that doesn't make sense. Driscoll was playing just fine. He'll come back. Yeah, I'm, and and Lane Johnson will get healthy. So I mean, it's <clears throat> to me, it was clearly a running back as a need. And and I tweeted this out there a few days ago. Like I don't understand the organizational shift away from a running back by committee approach. Clearly that's what they did. They thought Miles Sanders could carry the load. Uh, And, you know, I didn't have a problem with that. I mean, he had a great year. Sure. If he can, you know, carry the ball 15 to 20 times a game and catch it, you know, three to five times a game. Great. But he can't, we've seen it. He's been hurt with three different injuries. Now he's missed three of the eight games enough. Are they going to bring him back for the, after the bye? And how many games is he going to play if they keep giving him that kind of workload? He's going to get hurt again. He had a hamstring, a glute, and a knee. Enough. They needed a running back. They should have got a running back. They have a running back sitting on the – and, again, we've gone over this – on the practice squad with Elijah Holyfield oh. sitting there, and they don't want to bring him in. He, I mean, he's the guy that – why not give him a chance? I saw him frustrate the defense to the point where in the training camp where the defenders were like, hey, where's Holyfield at? Where's that? You know, and Holyfield's yapping back and forth. I mean, he is a pest. He was a pest this summer with that defense. And I don't understand why they insist on giving Miles, uh, Boston Scott when Miles Sanders is there. He carried the ball 15 times. Great. He had nine carries for 63 yards. After that, he had six carries for seven yards. Uh, eventually, that pr- production is going to decrease. He's not a 15-carry back, Boston Scott. I'm sorry, he's not. Miles Sanders, I'm not sure is. I mean, if you get a third guy and you split it up, three guys carrying the ball, you know, seven to 12 times, then you have something. And I don't understand why the organization went away from that running back by by committee approach. It's always been that way. And now all of a sudden it's not, and it's not good enough. And that to me is really a fatal flaw in this team. I don't know what they see in – Corey Clement and Jason Hutley to the point to keep Elijah Holyfield down the practice squad. Cause, oh, and Scott and Huntley are the same guy. I mean, and, really. Well, I don't well. think Huntley's ready. I mean, that play action where he, Carson Wentz tries, I don't know who that fault that was. I would assume it was Huntley's fault. He's completely yeah. out of position for a play action play. It looks like a complete joke. Like, I don't think he's ready to play. No, I don't either. Uh, and you, you know, get him back. And honestly, if you wave him, you probably get him back on the practice squad. So, maybe. Maybe the Lions pick him up again. I mean, the Lions cut him. They drafted him. So, I, yeah, who knows? But um, there are other candidates that you could cut if you want to bring – you know, and they have an open roster spot. They cut Jason Kroon, so they do have an open roster spot. Well, cut who Corey you- Clement, too. Like, it's not like he's earning the spot anyways. They need to try something. They need another running back to produce. They don't have one. Well, I, I, we've been, I've been saying that all year. I mean, after Miles got hurt and couldn't answer the bell in the opener, it's like, well, wait a minute. They're going to count on this guy now coming back from a hamstring injury. And then he had a glute. Didn't keep him out, but it 
prevented him from practicing. Now he's got the knee. He's missed two games. Is he going to be ready coming out of the bye? We don't know. <clears throat> um, but that's that's just my biggest frustration with the with the offense. I mean, Carson Wentz certainly is in that mix, but uh, this running back mix is just not good enough. And when the Eagles got the ball back against the Cowboys with 12 minutes to go, and then they went three and out because they could only run the ball twice for four yards, that's a problem. Yeah, that is usually in the past where they have chewed up clock, marched down the field, drained four or five minutes off of the clock, and probably got points out of it, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown. This team was a time of possession champion in the NFL for three straight years. They were one, two, or three in time of possession. They've only led time of possession in three of their eight games this year. Not good enough. I mean, they need to control the ball, and they don't have the running backs that can do it. Yeah, that's just unacceptable, really. I, I we always bash up Peter. Sounds like I'm angry. I kind of am because I really you're yeah. passionate. I mean, it's frustrating. I don't. You can't be a successful offense to be so one balanced when your quarterback is not even playing good. It doesn't make sense. Right. You right. need a running game to lean on. They and they clearly don't have the guys. I know Peterson knows they don't have the eyes, so he doesn't use the guys he has. It's yeah, yeah it's incredibly frustrating. I I don't understand it at all. But the trade deadline, that's what I thought they should have done, was going for a running back. But I completely understand why they stood pat. Probably the right move because they're in salary cap purgatory here. Uh, supposed to be right. $50 million over the cap, but that's probably going to get you know a bigger dent in it with the COVID stuff. So it'll be $75 million. If you trade for a running back, he's a rental anyways. So I yeah, – Exactly. There was Jordan Howard, Todd Gurley, like you would uh, lobbied for, and, and Brian Hill, I guess. But um, – there were guys, there's guys, you could have brought somebody in and, you know, especially Jordan Howard, you know him, he knows the offense. Doug's talking about the COVID, not bringing a guy in because of COVID. Okay. You have two weeks, you have two weeks to clear him through the protocol. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. You have the bye week. Come on. That's an excuse. And Howard didn't need to be brought up to speed. Howard knows the system. He scored seven touchdowns with this team last year. Uh, You probably could have gotten him for a conditional sixth or seventh round pick. Right. I don't. I do not understand, and I'm, I'm sure at some point Howie will talk to the media, maybe after the season, hopefully, uh, and that's going to be a question I'll ask if I can get called on. Um, is w- what's the organizational change away from running back the committee, the committee, uh, the running back by committee? So, uh, but listen, they they're they're up against it in the salary cap. They, Howie wants to hang on to his draft picks because he knows that it's a cheap source of labor if he hits on them. Uh, I think he hit on some in this past draft and how he gets a lot of grief for his drafting. And we know the 2017 class was a bust. Um, so hanging on to the draft picks is dicey with Howie. But you look at his 2018 class, look at all the contri- contributors he's getting. Josh Sweat was a fourth round pick that year. He gets no credit for that. You know, Dallas Goddard was a second round pick. Avante Maddox is your starting corner. He came in that draft. Jordan Milata came in that draft. Matt Pryor, all these guys are starting. Five guys. Um, 2019, not so great. Miles Sanders, obviously, is really the only one that came in that class, but they only had the five picks. Um, so you hope he can get it right. But I think he got some right here in 2020. And even his undrafted class, TJ Edwards, undrafted. Um, Nate Herbig, starting at guard. Looks like he might be the next center when Jason Kelsey retires, perhaps. But he looks good. He was an undrafted kid. So, you know, how he gets grief, but, you know, he does – he has made some good picks and he's made some good <laughs> free agents too. So um, it wasn't the worst thing in the world to hang on to his draft picks and not trade them away. 
uh, I think this is going to be Jason Kelsey's last season. He looks like he's laying it all out on the line. As much, he looks like his whole heart's out there this season. We always question if he's going to retire or not. The amount of workload he has this year compared to years past is almost double. I think this might be it for him. So that's why I'm glad. Because, I mean, you and I, I remember you and I had a conversation about who's probably going to take over at Nate Herbert. If Nate Herbert looks like he's a future star for this team. But he has been struggling in his last two games, though, I will say. I think he, I think, I mean, you're asking a guy who nobody expected him to start, didn't have a real offseason, didn't really have a real preseason, moves from left guard to right guard to right guard to left guard, left guard to right guard, right guard to left guard. So I'm not, I mean, you have to add that context in there. But I do think he has been struggling the last couple of games. But I think he does have a bright future with this team. And I mean, when you're looking at, you need to cut some guys. There's some guys on that offensive line that are going to get looked at. And Nate Herbie's probably going to have to replace them, at least one of them. So either whether it's guard or center, because he did come on, he did come to the Eagles originally as a center. We'll see, but yeah, and they got Luke. They have Luke Jariga, who's the undrafted free agent um, at center. I mean, he right. Could be this is this random talk from us, anyway. So I just I, every time I watch, it looks like Jason Kelsey's just giving every little ounce he has left yeah. in him to control this offensive line. He's playing extremely well. Don't get me wrong, but it looks like he's. Exasperated, well, you know, and he's and he he's more. There's more on his plate because he has to bring these young guys along. He has to get them up to speed. Um, you know, he has to do a little more coaching. And every time you talk to Jason, now he sounds like he's a coach. He really does. That he's he loves working with the young guys. I mean, I could see him um, getting into coaching as a line coach at some point right. uh, once his career's over. But there has been a lot on his plate, and he's handled it extremely well. I mean, he's. He's a guy that the Eagles are very, very fortunate to have. I mean, this guy, you know, to me, he's had a borderline Hall of Fame career, frankly. I mean, he's played in 87 straight games now, something like that. I mean, answers the bell game in and game out, plays hurt, uh, and he's the he's the anchor. He makes all the play calls. It's like having a coach on the field. Ed, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your concern level with this team right now? 10 being very concerned? Mm-hmm. Uh, 11. <laughs> You're that, no, that far into it? No, 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 no. I'm kidding. Uh, I would probably say hmm, maybe uh, maybe a six or a seven, somewhere in that range. I mean, uh, going into the bye, they've won two in a row, which is weird to have that concern level because they have won two games. Some, some real gut check games, too, frankly. I mean, the, the Giants game we talked about, the Cowboys game, they didn't do much, but their defense played well. Um, but still, uh, the Carson performance on Sunday is still fresh in my mind. That's a big concern. Um, the running attack has been a concern all year for me, more or less. Um, but I do like the way the defense has played. So that's kind of, maybe I would say a six, not a seven, just because the defense gives me some hope. Brandon Graham's having a career year in the twilight of his career. Um, that defense, Javon Hargrave really played well. Sunday, you hope he can continue to do that. Josh Sweat looks fantastic. Um, and, you know, that kid Michael Jaquette who came in for uh, Darius oh, yeah. Sweat. He, he looked good. He looked kind of tough in the run game. He made a nice play. He got credited for a pass defense where he was able to kind of get back into the play and break it up. So, um, you know, TJ Edwards, Alex Singleton, nice surprises. Uh, I just think that 
the defense gives me hope, hope enough to put it at a six. But the offense is just to me. Now, maybe that'll change with getting Rager back and Goddard back and hopefully Miles Sanders back and then they stay healthy, uh, Zach Ertz, and then they can kind of blossom from there. But right now, going into the bye, I'm at a six. How about you? Uh, at seven, because I don't know if you can get Carson Wentz to play better without helping him. Yeah, I don't know how you can help him without the people in place to help him. And then, I mean, I this defense has so much talent on it, and I think you can win with talent alone, and they have that clearly. But my thing is, you play a rookie quarterback, his first start in the NFL history. I mean, yeah, his first start in his NFL history, and. He's a seventh-round pick, shouldn't even be out there. And you play so much off coverage. When you, the guy has to take a dunk to even survive in the game as is. I I, I just cannot stand Jim Schwartz's coverage. I cannot stand it, man. That is an issue. And I'm passionate about this because it's an issue every week. Darius Slay has been one of the best press corners the last two years. One of the best. He can play zone at a very high level as well, but I mean, he, you have no reason not to ask this guy to jam the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. I think the huge reason why he hasn't had an interception yet is because you're not asking him to do that regularly. You ask him to do that regularly, I guarantee you the picks go up. I don't understand why he always has to play off coverage. That's my only issue with Jim Schwartz of the defense, why I always struggle with trying to give him props or trying to Say, hey, good job. I mean, you held Dallas to nine, but I mean, let Ben DiNucci still kind of throw the ball a little bit. I, it's a, and then the, the thing about the linebackers, we love Alex Singleton. We love TJ Edwards. But this team, week in and week out, gets exposed in the end-around game, and every team utilizes it. And I'm expecting it every game moving forward because of how effective it is against the Eagles. They have to finally figure out linebacker at some point. It's not going to happen this year. They have to go into this offseason and finally figure out we need at least one good sideline to sideline linebacker, and he's not on this team. All these guys are great against the run, but we need a coverage linebacker who can play sideline to sideline. He's not on this team, and you need it in this era of football because I'm sorry they get exposed for it every single week by multiple different types of offenses that run the same type of plays because they're continuously successful against it. And the CD land end around is fresh in my mind. still, as are the other ones throughout the, the season, but you're right. The defense, like I said, has the talent to be a good unit, no matter what. So I'm not worried about the defense, but if Doug Peterson's going to call games like this, where he looks completely lost, he doesn't know where to go with the play calling. And Carson Wentz is going to book that erratic and that turnover uh, prone which he's never been in his career before. He's never been this type of turnover prone in his career before. Not even close. Uh, Interception-wise. Fumble-wise, we already know. But then I'm worried. Right. Then I'm worried. I I, I am worried that they don't have the guys that can get him out of this this mental game that he's in. Because it's all in his head. His mechanics, when your mechanics completely fall apart, it's because you're overthinking every little thing that you do on the field. Where is the coach that can get him out of his head? Where, how do you dumb this down? How do you simplify this offense? Can these coaches yeah. simplify this offense? That's where I'm at, and that's where I'm struggling because I'm concerned because all my answers for that are I don't know. And, and that's 
kind of my answer too. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. It's not good. No, uh, but I have so I, many analysts and so many like podcasters, people that talk sports Philly to be incomplete. I mean, we could, I know a lot of people are tearing Carson Wentz apart, Doug Pearson apart, but you still need to give answers to this. You still need to analyze what's going on and try to figure out what the issues are to be completely dumbfounded by this, the situation that the Eagles are in on offense. It's, it's alarming. Well, that's why this week is so important. And next week is to come out of this by with kind of some new vigor, some new ideas, some fresh looks. Um, and that's why they really have to take advantage of this. They have to go back and break down these eight games that they played. Look at the players' strengths and weaknesses and find a different way to do things. And that's really the only answers you can hope for coming out of this. And we'll see how much work they put in. Um, because there aren't any easy answers, and that's really the only way I know how to get them is by going back and looking what you've done and assessing that uh, and trying to find a different way. Uh, there has to be a different way. You can't continue on this track and expect to win. They have a tough stretch coming up. You know, they have the, the Packers still. They have the Saints. They have the Cardinals. They have the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, these are that's a tough four-game run after they play the Giants and Browns. So, you know, they really need to come out of this with some new ideas, and you hope that they're getting healthy, and maybe that's why Howie didn't make a deal at the trade deadline as well because they are getting some of these pieces back. You hope right. Lane Johnson, uh, you know, this time off has helped him, uh, you know, and he won't have to kind of limp in and out of games. A um, lot, of, lot of guys coming back, and you hope that they can build with that. You hope they stay healthy. Now maybe they can put some of these injuries behind them, but you never know when they're going to crop up again. Um, but right now they look like they're getting healthy. Maybe Howie looked at that and said, you know what, we're just going to ride with what we have and see where it takes us and hope we can build. And that's what this these two weeks are about is starting to build and finding a, a way to build. Just find a way to simplify this offense and dumb it down for your quarterback who's completely struggling and has way too much stuff going on in his head as is. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I can for at this point. I would just call some quick pass plays, some quick slants, some get the ball out of his hands quick. Stick with the first read. Make it a priority that you hit your first read. You throw it to your first read. If he's not open, throw it away. That's it. You, you know, and, and is somebody going to tell him that? I don't know. Keep everybody out of the, the building that is bringing new offensive concepts that weren't here last year. Yeah. Lock the doors. Yeah. Don't let them back in. Lock the doors, <laughs> baby. It's not working. Sorry. We need to go in a different direction. But yeah. Because even if it's, I think Carson Wentz can channel while he looked last year, boom. I'm okay with that. That's a lot better. But all right. Yeah. That does it for us, man. We're just rambling now. Thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl. We hope that we could try to set some light, more light on the situation a little bit better. I mean, Ed and I are just as confused as every other fan is, but. We try to bring as much insight and discuss this issues going on as much as we can. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, read all of Ed's and John McMullen's stuff on the Eagles Maven of Sports Illustrated. Those guys are covering the Eagles. Really, one of the best tandems covering the Eagles right now. Oh, thank Thanks you. for tuning in, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Hey, 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.